Today's scripture reading is Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Trust and joy in the midst of trouble. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights to the leader with stringed instruments. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Okay, there we go. Now I have sound. <laughs> it's being crazy today. A few weeks ago, Lila and I were sitting in the office, and she was looking at the lectionary, and she's like, how do you say this one? And it was Habakkuk. And I'm like, it's Habakkuk. And she's like, where is that in the Bible? She's like, no, it's in there, but where? And I don't think I've ever actually read scripture from it. So, of course, as many conversations that I have throughout the week do, this one just kept wrestling in my head. And I thought, you know, it would be kind of fun to meet some of these minor prophets that we never hear about. And so that's what we're going to be doing throughout this month of October. I'm pretty excited for it. I only knew who Habakkuk was. I really didn't know who he was. I just knew how to say his name. Because when I was a kid, every week we would go to church, and our church had a huge Sunday school group that would meet together for children's choir. And we sang the song of the books of the Bible, and we'd go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and we'd go all the way through, of course, the Old Testament, and I could nail Habakkuk. I loved saying Habakkuk's name. I thought it was the coolest name ever. But I didn't ever really give Habakkuk much more thought, or any of these minor prophets for that matter. This book of the Bible is only three chapters long. It is very, very, very short. And there are some really unique things about Habakkuk. The one thing that I wanted to point out was, did you catch that last line of the scripture? To the leader with stringed instruments really funny to read in a scripture reading, isn't it? Well, these were actually directions from Habakkuk. He was writing to all of them saying, when you read this, you should read this as a song. You should perform it with instruments. Some of you saw me stirring around up here. We used to have a tambourine, and so I was going to do that for you, but I can't find the tambourine. Sorry, you have to miss out on that today. <laughs> So who was Habakkuk? He was a prophet. He ended up, of course, pinning his biblical chapter, his book of the Bible in his name. He's written among the other 12 minor prophets. If you go onto Amazon and do a search, there's some very interesting books out there. One that caught my eye this week as I was researching some of the minor prophets was called The Twelve. And I thought, The Twelve? Well, naturally you think of The Twelve Disciples. 
But there's 12 minor prophets, and so I ordered that book because I want to see what they have to say. This, as I mentioned, is a very unique book also because his final chapter is a doxology. One that we are supposed to sing with joy and with song. One that I could imagine musical instruments of that time being handmade, most likely. Perhaps some form of guitar, probably some flutes, maybe some drums, maybe some tambourines. But I would imagine that the music they put together was absolutely beautiful. Very little is known about this man or his life except for what he briefly mentions throughout the three chapters. Scholars even disagree over what his name actually means. Some of them say it means he's an embracer. Some of them means that he say he yeah, say his name means that he was embraced. They also argue that he was perhaps the Shannonite woman, the Shannonite woman's son, the one that Elijah spoke about, the prophet Elijah that we are all familiar with. She was told that she would have a baby and that she would embrace him because of his name and the meaning. Scholars often think maybe that's his son, her son, but we don't know. It's a great theory. We have really no way of knowing. They also believe that his book was written probably in the 1600s BC, likely around 605. And they base this because his prophecy was most likely also written around the time of Jeremiah. He talks a lot about the coming Babylonian captivity, and it is possible that he may have perhaps seen the destruction of Jerusalem in his lifetime. Now, not only was he a prophet, but it's clear in just the two verses that we read today that he was a very skilled poet. His writing was absolutely beautiful. And to me, it almost reads easier than that that we read in the Psalms that we credit King David with so often. His writing is really, really beautiful. And then, in a way, he was also a composer. Because though we don't know whether he played the musical instruments himself or whether somebody played them for him, he was writing these in, with intention of being used in song. The big thing that we can take away from this book of the Bible is that Habakkuk was very saddened. Extremely saddened by the rampant injustice and violence that was constantly occurring around him. And he was really puzzled by God's toleration of it. And so throughout a lot of his writing, he questions God. And he says, God, why? Do you make me look at injustice in this world? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me, and there is strife and conflict abounds. Something interesting about this is that clearly Habakkuk was not afraid to question the Lord. He was a prophet. He had a huge gift to be able to receive and understand and interpret the word of God. But he was not afraid to question God and say, why? The part that's very interesting and probably the most meaningful for all of us is that 
even though Habakkuk did not like what was happening in the world, even though he questioned why God would let this happen and why God was tolerating all of this evil happening in the world, he did not question God as being the Father. He did not question God as being the Almighty. Instead, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful with God, my Savior. Now, this week, I think that this book of the Bible came in one of those God incidents moments for me. I've been taking a course over social justice, and I have to admit that it's not a course that I would typically choose to take. I'm more of a, let's make disciples, let's all love each other, let's all get along and talk about Jesus type of person. I'm not one that's usually going to jump on the social justice wagon because it's not my passion and I have a lot of respect for people that can, but it's just not my calling. And I'm okay with that. But this week, as I was really struggling with that in this class, I was sitting there and I felt like such an outsider because these people that are taking this course with me, my colleagues that are in this, they're in it because they are social justice advocates. And we have had great dialogue together and communication, but something that really jumped out at me through the readings that we did and then through our conversations is that I had an issue with social justice because of my experiences. My experiences, the when I hear social justice, when I hear somebody talk about social justice, I kind of put this wall up a little bit because in my mind, I think that it's one group of people who's mad at another group of people. And this group of people is mad about the power that this group of people has. So they're going to try to get some revenge on this group of people and gain power to stop the hurt that this group is doing. But no matter what, somebody's getting hurt on both sides. And I'm a people pleaser. I don't like people getting hurt. I understand that when you're doing advocacy work and when you are fighting for injustices, people get hurt along the way. But during our conversations this week, the biggest part that I realized is that sometimes the best way that we can understand the other side, anything with justice, is to make friends with them to let our hearts actually get to know them, to understand who they are as people and why they are doing what they are doing. The author of the book that I have been reading, his last name is Jen Wright, and he talks about this new way of doing justice work and this old way of doing justice work. The old way is more about the power, building yourself up, gaining power, having money. We see a lot of that in our politics in today's world. And then the new way of doing it is finding an understanding. Asking yourself, why are you doing this work? Asking some of those questions that I had of, are they just trying to hurt the other side and shift the power? Or are they actually trying to make a difference? You all might be wondering why this person up here who does not like social justice is talking about social justice this morning. And it's not that I don't like social justice. It's just that I am called to be more of a preacher than I am to be a deacon out into the world doing that. The reason that I have brought this up, if you would all like to pull out your hymnals, I'm going to grab one here and turn to our baptisms at the very beginning 
is on page 34. These are the vows that all of us took. When somebody comes up here and I get ready to baptize them or their child, or when you join the church from another denomination, these are the vows that you answered. One of them was on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of the world, and repent of your sins? And then if so, you would say, I do. Well, that one is pretty easy for most of us to do. When we are thinking about our baptism, or when we are thinking about joining a church, we are generally at a point in our life that we are absolutely repenting of our sins, and we plan on not dabbling in the evil ways of our past. We truly accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we want to do our best to stay on that straight road. So that one we can answer, I do, and usually mean it. That second question, sometimes I think people only hear the first line of it. It says, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I can be honest, I don't know that I have ever felt that anybody truly answered that question because they meant it. They answered that question as I do because they wanted to be a member of the church or because they wanted to be baptized. This is a calling that we all have from God. It's not just to accept the freedom and power that God gives us. That's the part most of us hear and we say, yeah, we do accept that. But we are supposed to do this in a way that we resist evil, injustice, and oppression. And that doesn't mean resist it as in we just act like it doesn't happen and we shut it out from the world around us. It means that we are supposed to pay attention to it. Many of you may have heard my message last week and this month I plan to build on this more and more and more. Some of you heard my message last week. I brought up some of our local statistics local statistics, especially with the children in our community. These were ones that were shared when the kids did their uh, No Kid Hungry Day at school here a couple weeks ago. They went through incomes of all the families. They had families fill out surveys. And if you were not here to get all those statistics, I believe you can still find those on uh, Mayor Chris's City of Shoto page. He shared all those. So you, after church, you can look that up on Facebook and find those. But one of the biggest numbers that stands out to me is that 73% of children in Teton County qualify for free and reduced lunches. That's tough. And the number of children they went through, I can't remember the exact number, I think it was 32% of children fall into the category of being very low or low on their ability to get food. That meant that there are children who have gone days without eating a meal. Families have had to cut back on being able to feed their children. They don't have the options to be able to afford groceries. Even with assistance, even with our food pantry, families have still had these things happen to them. It is a big deal. And then that's just one, one little problem that we have here in our own county. There are a lot of other issues in our own county. And then, of course, we can expand on those to the state level and to the federal level and then to the global level. And I bring all this up, especially on World Communion Sunday, because this is a Sunday that we usually celebrate our unity 
Yet when we turn on the news, all we see is a lot of division. And it's heartbreaking. Truly, truly heartbreaking. So today, one thing that I really want to challenge you with is to begin thinking about what your own understandings are of what does it mean to, re to resist evil and injustice and oppression. If you are baptized or if you are a member of this church or another church, other denominations ask almost the exact same questions. Ask yourself, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? And why is it important? I want to point out that my view of social justice is very wrong. That is not what it means. There are absolutely people who are going to go out and they are going to join marches and they are going to do awareness. And that is a great thing, an absolutely wonderful thing to make people aware. But social justice is so much more than just what you see on the news. So, so much more than that. And so as we get closer to election time, and we begin thinking about what all of this means for us, I hope that you will consider in your own heart what it means to fight evil, injustice, and oppression. We might not go out and do the legwork and be doers of social justice, but we absolutely are able to take into consideration who we're voting for. We absolutely are able to reach out and help those locally who are in need maybe even a little farther and reach over into Great Falls and help different groups or organizations. And there are certainly people who are passionate about doing social work who can get you in touch with organizations that need help. And then when we turn back to Habakkuk, I hope that you will be able to read through the scripture and I would encourage you to read through this short little book today and see what Habakkuk has to say. I hope that you will be able to find a way to relate these scripture readings to the world that we live in today. I'm going to read through these two verses that we read earlier and just think about those a little bit more. I, like I said, I wish I had the tambourine so I could make noise while I'm doing this and do it in song, but I'm not going to. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fells and the fields yield no food, Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. If you are somebody who is going through something really hard in your life, one who is facing the oppression head on. Or if you are an outsider looking in on the others who are going through this, I hope that you will remember and understand and know completely with your heart that the Lord is our strength. Even in these bad times, these bad ways of the world, the Lord is still number one and above all of this other stuff. And for that, we rejoice. Amen. Our hymn of, oh, no, sorry, I am still on Brady's time, you guys, like, oh, wrong bulletin. We are not going to have a hymn of reflection because we have special music, JP. <laughs> Welcome back.
Every once in a while, when you think about a song, you wonder how it fits into the theme. And uh, so I was having a hard time until I realized that uh, feeding people and feeding children is, is pretty critical. And so much of us, especially me, I grew up in a really big family. I'm the youngest of nine children. And uh, I actually did grow up with a huge uh, root cellar filled with all sorts of things, food and unbelievable. And we had two giant freezers that were eight feet long and uh, filled uh, with all sorts of uh, beef of, of all kinds and chickens and pigs. And, but anyway, uh, thinking about the root cellar, I was thinking about how sad it is for people because when I was a little boy, I went down and it was like a candy store with uh, all the peaches. And I remember going up, I was on a huge dairy farm. We used to get a ladle and dip out cream and put it on the peaches. And that was kind of like, wow, you know, that was kind of the way to fly back then. But, but isn't it sad, you know? So this is canned goods, uh, and I'll try to think a little bit about what it's like to have some food in, in the cellar. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention real quickly is this is the first time that I can remember forever that it's October and we haven't had a frost. At least we haven't had one in August in Augusta down there. So, uh, let the wild winds bellow and blow because it's October to May to season. We got peaches on the shelf, potatoes in the bin. Supper's ready, buddy, come on in. We got taste a little bit of the summer. Taste a little bit of the summer. My grandma put it all in jars. Well, there's a root cellar, fruit cellar down below. Watch your head and down you go. She's got peaches on the shelf, potatoes in the bin. Supper's ready, buddy, come on in. And taste a little bit of the summer. Taste a little bit of the summer. My grandma put it all in jars. She's got magic in her, you know what I mean. She puts sun and rain in her green beans. She's got peaches on the shelf, potatoes in the bin. Supper's ready, buddy, come on in and taste a little bit of the summer. Taste a little bit of the summer. My grandma put it all in jars. Oh, with the snow and COVID and everything, I'll just go down there and eat till spring because she's got peaches on the shelf, potatoes in the bin. Supper's ready, buddy, come on in and taste a little bit of the summer. Taste a little bit of the summer. My grandma put it all in jars. When I go down to see my grandma, I gain a lot of weight. With her sweet hand, she gives me plate after plate. She cans the pickles, sweet and dill. She cans the songs of the whippoorwill. In the morning dew, in the evening moon. Well, I think I'm going to go see her real soon. Because the canned goods that I buy at the store, they ain't got the summer in them anymore. You bet, Grandma, as sure as you're born, I'll take some more potatoes in a thunderstorm. She's got peaches on the shelf, she's got potatoes in the bin. Supper's ready, buddy, come on in and taste a little bit of the summer. Taste a little bit of the summer. Taste a little bit of the summer. My grandma put it all in jars.